Welcome to Alzheimer's Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm so excited that you're joining us today. We are going to have a fascinating conversation, as usual, as we learn from people all around the world at all ages and stages of life. Stay tuned as we shift our dementia care from crisis to comfort. Here we go. What you think about And welcome to Alzheimer Speaks Radio. I'm your host, Lori LeBay, and I'm thrilled that you were able to join us today. If you are new to our show, Alzheimer Speaks is about sound information, not just sound bites. We like to talk with real people who are in the trenches and who are doing something to make a difference in the industry and family lives with dementia. So we talk with people who are living with dementia, those that care and serve them, researchers, advocates, movie directors, singer songwriters, you name it, everyone is welcome here. And that means all ages and stages too. So we've had kids on the show that are making an impact. Um, so if you have a story that you'd like to share, on your journey, or um, maybe it's a project or a tool that you've developed or a service, uh, please reach out to me at uh, radio at alzheimerspeaks.com and uh, we can have a chat about that. Now, before I introduce our guest today, I do always like to give a couple of shout outs. So I want to give a shout out to memorycafedirectory.com. I'm so excited because some of the memory cafes are coming back and meeting in person. Many are still doing virtual. I know our group is still doing virtual at this time, um, but go to memorycafedirectory.com and you can get more information on the memory cafes in five different countries. I also want to give a shout out to Coral Health. They're still allowing people to download two apps Music First and Choral Faith, which are so important um, and such a value. So don't miss out on that. Go to Coral, C-O-R-O-Health.com. And then, of course, I have to mention Dementia Map. Dementia Map, I'm a co-founder of, and this has been a dream of mine for 37 years. So I'm really excited that this resource directory, which is a global directory, um, is finally out there for people to um, both input information and be able to pull information out. Now it is free to anybody who wants to um, extract information. We don't ask for any personal information and we also have a free plan plus two paid plans depending on what level of um, exposure you want on the site. So go to DementiaMap.com. Next we're going to hear from the Foot Bar Walker, which I am a big raving fan of, and we'll be right back with your guest. Introducing the life-changing Foot Bar Walker. I'm Peggy from Danville, Kentucky, and I'm 91 years old. The Foot Bar Walker revolutionized my care of George. It absolutely benefits the patient and the caregiver both, and that's the beauty of it. It's so easy to use. It folds up just like a dream. I got it in and out of the car without any effort at all. The saving that I made from having to put him in a nursing home came to about $192,000. Does someone you love use a walker? Do they struggle? 
difficult to get up from a seated position? Are you a caregiver dealing with physical pain and stress as you help your patient? The Foot Bar Walker was designed to assist not only the patient, but also the caregiver. Patients have more control standing up, and no lifting from the caregiver is required. See how it works at thefootbarwalker.com. That's thefootbarwalker.com. Peggy, would you recommend the Foot Bar Walker? Do I ever? I would not be in the health that I'm in today at this age had it not been for the Foot Bar Walker. I want to introduce our guest today. I'm really excited to have him. I met him through Facebook, like many others have met him, Larry Griner, and he cares for his mom. He has learned to use music and public interactions with others to help her focus on living fully and having plenty of joy and engagement in her life. I think Larry's got a lot of great things to share with us. Well, Larry, I'm thrilled to have you. So welcome to the show. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay, Lori. Hanging in there as usual. Yeah, that's kind of the mode when you're dealing with dementia. <laughs> you have you have the ups and the downs, and you, you have to be pretty flexible to kind of go with the flow. As I said in your introduction, you're caring for your mom. Do you mind giving a little background as to like when your mom um, got dementia, how many years she's been living with it? Uh, well, we recognize probably at least 11 to 12 years. And the reason why I say that is she was living independently for a number uh, of years when the last uh, son moved out. And I think probably a good 12 or 13 years ago, she started to kind of regress from a lot of her normal activities, but we didn't notice it because nobody was here. Subsequently, my other brother who lives uh, relatively close here in Baltimore, and pretty much stopped over on a regular basis, uh, started to see those changes. And um, eventually after an accident she had, uh, we became more aware of her diagnosis from the doctors at that point when she was in the hospital. And again, that was you know, a good 11 years ago when my brother started caring for her at that point in time, because he was close to her. I was in California at that time. So, um, but that's about the time we're recognizing probably her uh, symptoms started showing up at that point. So, okay. And like you said, you at that time you were living in California, but now you have moved in to take care of your mom. Um, can you tell us? Uh, I mean, that's a really personal decision, and it's a big decision. Um, one that I think mm -hmm. many many people struggle with. Can you tell us how you how you came to that? Uh, again, as my brother, as I said, my brother had been caring for her for about four to five years uh, without really knowing. Um, or actually mentioning to us that uh, these things were going on. He did it on his own. And eventually it broke him. And he uh, eventually sent a, an email to my other brother and sister and myself and said he couldn't take it anymore because he had had his own family to raise, his own business to run, plus living here in the home with mom uh, full time after our caregiver uh, took off at 7.30 every day. And so I came home 2013 and had a three and a half month a leave of absence from work and became introduced to my mom's needs and what the disease uh, does to you, what the family dynamics does and what it does to the caregiver. It was easier for me at that point because I had a three month window to go back to California, but it was the break that my brother needed and I, ne I needed to help him out more than anything else. But after that, I recognized that I needed to contribute in some other way and I decided uh, to hopefully come back uh, a year later when I had uh, the leave of absence again, but my company went through a reorg, and so I resigned my position and came home for an entire year. And that wasn't just to care for him, but was also to care for my father, who was diagnosed with 
uh, dementia also. After being here a year, that broke me. And uh, again, the family dynamics, not to go into too much detail, drove me back to California for some respite. And uh, after a while, I recognized um, that my mind was always going to be home. And I came home for a funeral, October of 2017. And that was the first time that my mother said that she'd not remember me. Um, of course, the biggest heartache in my life and recognition that uh, I had to come back and do something again, uh, not just for my mom, but for myself. It's hard to do anything 3,000 miles away and definitely for my brother, because at that point, we also moved my father back into my mom's house to care for both of them. So that's a reality show in itself. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I decided to resign my position again with the job that I had started, and they gave me great support and uh, came home. January of 2018 uh, to be here um, to hopefully uh, do a lot for not just my parents to develop a relationship with my father who I hadn't had in a long time and to take care of my mother and to give my brother the needed break that he had needed and the rest is kind of history I've been here now for three years plus um, I say it's myself rabbit hole that I put myself into because I can't go back any place to California, knowing that my mom is not going to get any better from where she's at. So, so that's where I am. And uh, our goal is to keep her in her home as long as possible. Um, I've been to other assisted living places and just recognize I can't see her getting any better. And I want to give her as much life as possible. So that's why I'm here. Well, and by you giving her that life um, and that fun and that joy, that's how, how I met you was through Facebook and seeing some of the videos that you share with your mom. Um, one, I know a lot of people struggle about putting their personal stories out there and others just walk right into it and say, this is a way to change others' lives and to kind of give hope and um and everything not be doom and gloom about it and and uh, you know for me personally that was kind of my mode of operation was that it, it we've got to make this better for others we've got to get people to understand we can live differently um and still well with this disease what made you decide to to a do the videos in the first place and then b make them public well the videos just turned out to be a fun thing you know i started playing classical music for my mother from which she loved all her life and it was just for us to enjoy in the park at home um, eventually I started to see her become animated <laughs> in many ways than one and not so much always to the classical music but we kind of gravitated from the classical music to the music that was on the radio in the car then it went to what was on my uh, iPod and my playlists and she was just showing all kinds of crazy antics facially and with her hands and her shoulders. And it became so popular on my Facebook page. I would put one or two posts, maybe a month on there for family and friends. And a friend of mine had said, well, why don't you put your video on another caregiver website called Molly's Movement? And all of a sudden they went viral. And I kind of felt that they were kind of out of context when I put them there because a lot of them are personal stories and really pretty sad, but uh, people started responding saying that mom's videos were making an impact on them of, okay, you put a sort of fun side to dementia, if you want to put it that way. And 
it just grew from there to the point where if I did not post the video of mom's video uh, of her doing her, as I call it, hand jiving to music, uh, people would wonder whether or not everything is okay with us. And now where I'm kind of doing a video a day, if I can, because I have so many banked and uh, it's just become fun for me, therapeutic for me, because I see her enjoying the music and the time that we're having together therapeutic for evidently for a whole lot of other people on the websites that I do post her videos because it gives them a chance to escape where they're at. And it's also given a number of them ideas on how they can reach their loved ones. And that's where I've recognized that without doing it purposely, it's become an opportunity to help others to, if not put a smile on their face, give them ways to communicate or have their loved ones enjoy some time with them or even out in the public as I do take my mom. I recognize that when she's out now enjoying the music, she likes to show off. She's a big ham. She is a big ham. When she sees somebody coming down the boardwalk or sits across from us at the picnic table, she specifically calls them out and basically starts generating a conversation with them. And if I start playing music, she entertains them to no end and they just love her. They just absolutely love her. Yeah, I remember seeing the the video where she's singing to a couple that just got married in the park. And my mm-hmm. heart just like melted. And, and you could tell theirs did too, how touched they were by that. It, well, when we go to the park, of course, we have no clue who we're going to meet up with. We don't know whether or not uh, it's just somebody fishing or somebody out just taking a stroll. And that day we arrived and we saw uh, about three or four people from a wedding party taking pictures. And I decided to jump in and say, hey, listen, let me take the picture for them because they couldn't get all four in the, in the photo. And I thought that was the end of it. Next thing I know, about an hour later, the whole wedding party shows up, bride, parents of the groom and the bride. And they were taking pictures again with the lake in the background. And they had asked me to take pictures of the whole wedding party. At that point, I said, well, listen, I know you're never going to have this asked of you. I'm going to let mom sing you guys a, a song for your wedding day. And then boom, boom, we walked up to the picnic table. Mom has no clue. She's wearing the most, I don't want to call it ridiculous, but funny rabbit ear headpiece that somebody had sent her for fun. And all I need to do is put the music on. And I knew she knew Etta James, you know, at last. And I thought that that was the most appropriate song for this newlywed couple. And as you notice, when it starts to play, she doesn't know what's on. And then all of a sudden, boom, she just jumps right into the lyrics. And everybody around her, from people who were there eating lunch at the park to the people in the wedding party, were all standing there, some of them tearing up. Um, And the wedding couple just completely appreciated what mom had done. And she just loves people like I said, in general, but then also seeing the bride in a beautiful wedding gown and the, the groom, I think he even started to tear up a little bit. Um, they were just appreciative that mom would give to them something special that they can remember for a long time to come. And, and again, these things are just very spontaneous and mom's game. And when, again, when you put an audience in front of her, she'll perform. So that just wound up to be a special time and a special moment for everybody. What, how, how neat. I mean, it just, um, you know, so, so many times uh, people get embarrassed that somebody doesn't, you know, isn't fitting in like everyone else. And you're just really allowing your mom to be who she is. And when you're doing that, I mean, it's educational to the public at large. 
And, but it puts a smile on everybody's face and in their hearts. And, you know, for that, for that couple getting married, I mean, how, uh, they'll never, ever forget that moment. Never, ever, you know, I mean, that is just uh, something so, so precious. So I, kudos to you. Now you had mentioned her headpieces, because I know when we talked before, that's kind of one of her sig- signature marks now, and that people just <laughs> send these things to you for her now. Yeah, last year I bought uh, some rabbit ears from CVS on the way to the park and um, wore them for fun, you know, in the park. And people just loved them as mom was doing her little hand jive and and facial dancing um, in the park. And for about a month and a half, we we wore them and posted some videos on Facebook and people loved them. And on some of the caregiver websites I was on, um, people just said, I I was in in the store today and I saw these headpieces. I'd like to send your mom. Well, within about three months, I had received more than 50 pair, get, sometimes getting 10 at a time from Amazon of people sending her headsets. I think at this point, she's over close to 100 pair, and they're literally from around the world, as far away as Indonesia, Australia, UK, South Africa, Canada, Mexico. People have been sending her these headpieces. So we, we alternate, color coordinate, and everything else. And They've even gotten themed where they send them for Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's, birthday, Valentine's, St. Pat's. Um, for Thanksgiving, we got two full turkey heads. That somebody said I had to wear one. So we we wore those and I posted a video online of, of the two of us wearing those. And and it's kind of grown. And it's it's even outside of the headbands. They're sending their T-shirts, mugs, flowers, edible arrangements, uh, homemade uh, bug spray. <laughs> It goes on and on. I'm, I'm amazed and really uh, my, my heart is full with so many people that are, have taken to her and sending her love and, it, and it's therapeutic for me also. So um, that's how that grew. And it's still wow. growing. We just got another headset last week. So. Oh, wow. Wow. What does your family think of all the, all the videos? Um, they're loving it. They're absolutely loving it. And I think the best part is knowing that mom's being entertained. Mom is not just sitting down watching TV all day long, and she knows she's getting the best care with me here. We are lucky enough to have a caregiver who's been with mom for the past 11 years that comes in also daily. So that's one of the blessings we've had, that she's had that consistency. And for me, my commitment had been that when I came back from California, was not to get a job and then come home and do what I could mom is my job mom is my priority and so that's where my life is right now and um so i know they're appreciative they don't have to say anything as mm-hmm. long as they know that she's being well taken care of that makes the biggest difference oh that's great i i know my family i have two brothers an older one and a younger one and there was a a picture of my mom dressed up like a klondike kate which um <laughs> It, she was all in red and had the feather boa and the nail polish, lipstick, the uh, everything. And, and she had this just huge smile, just gargantuan. And she was having a blast. And yet my brothers thought that that was disrespectful for her to be dressed that way. And, and I was just like, <laughs> she's totally enjoying herself. <laughs> totally enjoying herself you're you're the one having the problem with her. and and it was one of those things that um I don't think they ever really understood you know they went to embarrassment first 
versus being able to see mom being joyful. I have to second guess myself sometimes with some of these headpieces. When you're getting orange or, or fluorescent green dreadlocks mm -hmm. with lights in them <laughs> that people are sending, <laughs> I said, well, yeah, okay, let's go for it. And mom just takes to it. She yeah. just gets into the mood and enjoys it. Um, she'll kind of look at you funny, but then she just gets, gets into, into mode of, uh, I'm just having a good time, you know, and, and that's what makes it all worthwhile. And yeah. uh, so I, I, I don't know that I'm completely past putting anything on her head, mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, to this point, it's been very, very, not just entertaining, but, but fun with her. And that's what's most important. Well, and I think part of it too is, you know, my experience with my own mom, and I don't know if, if you have experienced this or feel this, but, you know, as the disease progressed, she, um, she got more and more authentic in terms of who she was. She didn't really care what anybody else thought anymore. She wanted to have fun. She wanted to play. She, you know, wanted it to be about joy, which, you know, and I think we all want that in our lives, but we have all these boundaries and judgments that don't let it in and to me I thought that was just beautiful to be able to get to that place where you're not worried what anyone else is going to think and you're just going to do what you know makes you happy and brings right. you joy and you know it's not like they're hurting anybody else in the process at all you shared with me before we before we came online here that today she met a little boy and so again, it, she interacts with everybody at all ages and all stages, um, which again, I think is brilliant and inclusive. And, you know, you, you even said, you know, the little boy was one to talk a lot and, and parents alone can get embarrassed with that. Like, come on, leave the people alone, you yeah. know, but your mom just engages. It, it's not about that. So relieve some of that tension that maybe, maybe the mom was feeling too. <laughs> She's got an endless smile when she sees children, an endless smile. And she'll keep her eyes locked on them until they're out of sight completely. A, a lot of the personality that I see in my mom now, we never noticed when we were growing up. Um, she raised four of us on her own. And so everybody kind of went off in their own direction. And the personality that we're noticing here, we were never aware of existed until I got to this point. And again, I, I just let the camera roll. And mm -hmm. a lot of times I'm tearing up in laughter also and in sorrow that I missed this. And where is this person or where was this person way back when? But I'm enjoying the moment, you know, mm -hmm. to the most. And, and uh, again, I, I have no clue what I'm going to get when yeah. I turn that video camera on. But I take it all and everybody loves it. Absolutely, absolutely loves her. So, yeah, I found with with my mom. Um, kind of some of the same stuff. I think that there's borders of what parents will share with their children, you know, when they're trying to be the adult and they're trying to set the example. And my dad with brain cancer, my mom with dementia. I mean, I ended up learning stuff about them when they were younger. They never would have told us, but there were, you know, as an adult, then they were hilarious. As a teenager, I would have thought, well, really? Well, you know, but I mean, you, you see that other side. And then we had an opportunity. My mom really wanted to be be able to watch her granddaughter. And we were very nervous about how to do that. But we, we set it up and we gave her a couple of hours and um, felt it was really safe. And, and I'll never forget the first time walking in to the dining room and both my mom and my like five-year-old daughter are holding up pictures and you couldn't tell who was prouder. 
of their work. <laughs> and, and my daughter and, and um, her grandma had such a bond. I mean, they were so close because Danielle only knew grandma with dementia. And uh, there was just something about this playfulness and this authenticness that to me, I just felt it was a gift, to, you know, to be able to see that side because I wouldn't have seen it before. You know, it, it just wouldn't have been there without the disease. Um, so thank you. Thank you for sharing all of that. I want to ask you, because um, I, I always think that there are words of wisdom that, that everybody who is caring for somebody with dementia can share. Um, so I'd like to know from you, Larry, what are, you know, if you had to give three important things um, to other people caring for somebody, what would that be? What What are three important lessons or tools or phrases? Hmm. You know, that's interesting. You can only, you, know, you can almost give ten. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of it's depending upon, you know, where your loved one is within the disease. You know, what their capabilities are, how well they still communicate, what their past was like. You know, what was their personality in the past? My mom was very independent. Mm -hmm. So that stubbornness is there. That little devil, I say, is still there in her. Um, but you know, you know, they always say patience is a, patience is a virtue. Uh, I think virtue is an understatement. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but that is definitely something you have to find, um, because everybody's going to run out of it when you're with this and you're constantly being tested. Uh, I think understanding of what your loved one loved in life, because that's the easiest thing to go back to, to try and find, as I say, a focus breaker. And what I mean by that is with my mom and from people that I recognize do have, that have had dementia or Alzheimer's, um, their focus is just into a blank, blank stare. They don't have any, if you ask them what they think about, they don't know and they really can't verbalize it. So in those cases, I put something in my mom's mind like music, which now she's familiarized and now she can change her focus and it makes it her hot lot happier. Giving her chocolate always changes her focus. Um, so it's knowing what they love. You know, it's going to be difficult introducing new things um, to my mom. And I have to speak specifically of my mom. Um, she, can she can appreciate it for that instantaneous moment, but it's gone. And though most moments are going to be gone, if she has something that she know, you know she'll love, looking at flowers, enjoying chocolate, a specific song, those things will make those moments at that time much more enjoyable for them and also much more enjoyable for yourself. Um, and sometimes it, it can last a little bit longer. Again, being out in the park with mom when she sees people, now it's becoming moment after moment after moment after moment that she can enjoy enjoying the the leaves and you know that you're looking at swaying in the breeze or the the sounds of the birds those kind of things um change that focus and you can make a difference in their life um and the third thing wow it's it you know it, it's a situation because your days are as they say um groundhog's day every day you're going to go through the same emotions in the morning the sundowners in the evenings whatever it might be in the afternoon you know, you got to try to make the best of all of those times. And again, um, you're not going to change those physical attributes that they're going to go through. It's just a part of their life, unfortunately, from that point on. 
I think, again, uh, the patience comes back with um, working with it at that time. And hopefully they're, you know, creating a, an atmosphere that they're not going to dwell on uh, the sad things, or you won't dwell on those sad things. Try to make those moments as peaceful and happy and entertaining for the both of you uh, as possible. Conversation is great. Conversation is great, not just with yourself, but with others. And I think at those times, um, again, you're making their minds work. So that's the interaction that, again, you not just have with myself, but also with others outside of the house that make a difference in her life. So um, those are just three things that I know that can make a difference. So, yeah, I think those are, are all really important. The, the patience, like you said, I mean, we need that in life in general, period. Um, but you mm. need it a lot more when you're dealing anytime with a chronic illness. Um, the understanding, just knowing the history of, of what is somebody like it, they might not like what you like, you know, and so that we need to know that because if you're putting on your music that you enjoy, but they don't. Um, and what I found in, and it sounds like you found this too, that, you know, when they're peaceful, when they're joyful, I could be peaceful and joyful, you know, right. I wasn't as stressed, but when they're stressed or angry or, or whatever, and you know, something's wrong, then, you know, then I'm living that too. And uh, I also think um, you had um, mentioned in terms of, you know, getting to know what they like. I think a, a piece too um, that I found really helpful is to realize that they can pick up on my mood. Sometimes we're so focused on them and what they can't do, but they can mm -hmm. still read all our nonverbals and all our mixed messages. And, and I think that that is something that we really have to teach people that a lot of times they're perfectly content until we walk into the room and it's our baggage that changes their mood. And then we get mad at them because now they're upset and they're just reflecting back what we, what we're trying to hide maybe in ourselves sometimes. Do you, have, have you experienced that? Uh, definitely. Definitely. And, and again, you know, my mom being a single mother for so long and being a very independent and smart lady to this day, still extremely, she still speaks German fluently at this point and a little Russian. So one of the things that, that I've recognized is my mom as a person, as a, a human, as a, as a woman is still in, in her and she still brings that out. The part of her that hurts the most or that hurts me the most and anybody around her is that familiarity she has with her children and the people around her and her family. Those are the ones that she does not remember. She does not remember me probably 95% of the time. Mm -hmm. um, she'll, she can say that I'm her son, but she can't say which son. Um, and sometimes she'll ask, are you my son? So that part which of course is the part that's more intimate to us as a family member uh, and the one that hurts the most is not there and is, and is waning more and more. But I find that the person she is, loving children, loving interaction with others, um, loving the flowers that she's always loved, loving the classical music, that is so in her still. Um, you just need to bring that out and keep it introduced to her that she can continually enjoy that. Um, I was with, um, we were at the park uh, not too long ago, we were talking with a couple, and she started going back on her past as a little child, where she grew up 
in, in Philadelphia and lived with her father also in Norfolk because her parents were divorced. And some of the stories she was telling the couple that she was talking to, I never knew. But it was, it was her. It was, it was my mom as a young lady, as a little girl growing up, that she retained and was able to say it without any kind of hesitation. You know, again, those things a long time ago, of course, in most cases, do stay with her. But anything, I'd say, even the past 20, 20 years or so, she cannot retain. And, and um, but I got to give her the opportunity to be able to bring those stories out when possible. So, you know, that's where the internet, the interaction with others is, is priceless. Yeah. Well, and I, I do think, um, you know, when somebody doesn't recognize their family by name, I, I know how people struggle with that. And what I encourage them to understand is that typically they've gone back in time before they had children. Right. And, and what we have to focus on is not so much our name, but that they feel safe and comfortable with us. I mean, cause that, I mean, that's the biggest gift you can give anybody at all. You know, they're not, in, they're not afraid of you. They want to engage with you. Um, they feel comfortable with you um, because they, they remember more emotions than the, the specifics, you know, to a situation. It really is about how you, how you make them feel. If you could rewind the clock and um, would you still make the same decision in terms of coming back and caring for your folks? Without a doubt, without a doubt. I was lucky. Um, I wasn't married. Well, I'm not married. <laughs> I don't have any children, didn't have a mortgage. Um, I was lucky. I had the flexibility to do this. Um, it doesn't mean it doesn't hurt any less. Um, but again, my, and I don't want to get too emotional over this, but it, the bigger reasons why I came back is because my brother gave so much of him without ever complaining. And what he gave up in his life, you know, I, I can't repay him enough because as I, I mentioned in uh, something I wrote a while back is he handed the baton to me. He kept mom going mm -hmm. and I'm able to at least take it to this point and make the biggest difference, not just for her, but for him. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, it's multi reasons why I came home and he's a big part of it. So, um, but no, I, I have no regrets. Of course, we'll never have regrets on this. As everybody tells mm -hmm. me, you'll never have regret. Yep. The only regret, the only regret I have is that anybody suffers from this disease, mm -hmm. period. Yeah. And the more we talk about it, the more we raise awareness, the more we share our little tips of what yeah. works, um, you know, the easier it's going to be on the next person and the easier it might be for them to step into kind of the public eye and share share their stories because I, I personally think that's how we change the world is really by sharing these personal intimate stories that people can not only see and deal in a logical way but they can really feel the difference and the importance um, you know through this process there um, for you how has it how has this experience changed your life personally I think the biggest thing is the awareness you know, we, we go through life and you get older and you, you know your parents are going to get older and what we're going to do. And you really don't plan well enough. Mm -hmm. And the only time you do it is when it's time to do it. And it's at that time it catches you off guard as to what do I do now? 
Mm-hmm. I'm lucky that I had a brother that did what he had to do to make things well here for my parents. Um, he's lucky that he's had, well, I'll say he has me to step in now to take it over from this point. Um, I've become more aware of what the caregiver goes through. You know, those people who are only child, ch- only, ch- only child that don't have any help, outside help. And now where do you go from there? Um, so being an advocate for them, that's the awareness that I have that I want to try and make a difference. And again, the videos have made evidently a little bit of difference for a lot of people in the sense you can't just sit back and let your loved one just be there. You, you can still interact. You can still find ways to communicate, um, to entertain them, you know, and then also point them in some directions as to where they can go to get some support or help. I've, been, I've had other organizations reach out to me and that's been great. And now I can at least send some other individuals that need that help to those organizations to get their personal help. So, so I have a mission while I'm doing this. Um, it's also therapeutic for me, knowing that you're helping others makes a difference for me. Um, and as long as mom keeps singing, we can keep doing this. So <laughs> we're, we're, we're making it work. Yeah. Well, one thing too, Larry, that I'll just say from my, my own perspective, I have some videos of my mom singing when she was in her end stages. And I still, my mom's been gone since 2014. And I still watch those videos and it can still change my mood. I can have a really bad day and I watch one of those and I'm like, it's okay. Everything's mm-hmm. going to be okay. So I think you, you know, you're, you're, you're helping everybody, but I think they're, they will really help you and your family later on too, as things progress where they can't communicate quite as much, or even after somebody passes, um, just to be able to have those kind of legacy moments and your mom can still bring joy to everybody. I mean, you know, to me, that's, that's a really important piece that sometimes families forget about is, grabbing that legacy again knowing what brings them joy having the patience to deliver that and be with them while they're joyful and then capturing those moments because um, they are really going to help you a lot later on down the road that is correct that. that is correct and what a great lesson to teach our children as well in terms of interaction everything doesn't have to be black and white and everything doesn't have to be difficult um, you know, you can still have plenty of joy with this, with this journey. Anything else that you wanted to share? I know when I asked you about, you know, if you had any, any tips for people, you, you said, oh, there's probably 10 I could give. So if you want to share any others, now would be the, the time to do that. Uh, well, you know, you know, taking care of my mom, you know, yeah, I have a game plan on a regular basis and we're lucky enough to have a park that's that's really close to us and offers the, the distance, especially now with the COVID uh, circumstances. Um, and it offers a whole lot of people, you know, that are able to, to pass by us and give us that interaction that I crave for her and that she actually loves. Um, that's, one, that's, that's a big part of it. You can't pull them out of life. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know it's tough being out in public or for that matter, depending on, you know, what their physical capabilities are um, or again, how far the disease has progressed, but don't deny them that activity that really is healthy for them. I know when I talked to one of mom's doctors years ago, 
when I came home. Um, they said the physical activity itself is uh, a, a big benefit, a big benefit. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were saying at least 5,000 steps a day can make a difference to, to slow down the, the progression of the disease, you know. Um, but again, who knows? Who knows? But if you don't do something, um, they're just going to slip away a lot quicker. So they have to be active. Being active physically actually is active mentally because you have to think about what you're seeing, stepping, keeping the body in motion and those kind of things. That's extremely important. When I do reach out to people that are sending me messages on Facebook and they're saying they're in the beginning stages of their loved one has just been diagnosed. My first uh, uh, bit of advice is keep them active, keep them active. It makes a difference. I noticed the difference in mom. If I wasn't here, even with a caregiver here, my mom would still be sitting a majority of the day. Um, so you know that that's not physically beneficial to them. Um, but that's the biggest bit of advice I can give to them. Keep them active. It's hard to know. I mean, my mom is 90. It's hard to know is the age the, if, the issue right now or is it the disease or definitely is it both? And I know it is both, but you can combat both of them a little bit just by keeping them active. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's four through 10 at this point, yep. as far as advice, um, because everything else will fall in place. Again, um, I get scared when I see or actually hear from people that write to me online about where their loved one is, especially in the final stages. And without going through all the issues that they're going through, that scares me that my mom could be in that uh, situation or circumstance in the future, who knows? Um, but I can't sit back and dwell on that. I got to deal with the hearing now. Every day, as I said, is Groundhog's Day. <laughs> so just treat it that way and do the same thing that you do that makes a difference today. It'll make the difference tomorrow. And mm-hmm. hopefully the day after that, the day after that. The little things that pop in there that are out of the ordinary, great. It can still be enjoyed. Um, but remember, it'll, it will be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Um, make the best of it. But just getting them out and about uh, makes a big difference. Even if we don't see anybody when we go to the park, she still enjoys the, the birds flying by, the lake that's in front of us, the smell of the flowers that are around us. So, I mean, again, that is probably the biggest uh, bit of advice I can give to, mm-hmm. to anybody that is going through this, even in the beginning stages. Definitely do what you can to keep them active. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I would I would add to sometimes, um, especially with with the older population, kids will say, you know, I want to hug my parent, but they they weren't huggers, you know, they Mm -hmm. never hugged. And I'm like, you have to do what you need to do, too. Mm -hmm. And it might not have been acceptable, you know, when as they were growing up, but kids always get hugs. And when they've gone back in time, you know, uh, many as they progress, they really appreciate those hugs again. Yeah. And, and touch is something that people miss. Or, you know, if you're not comfortable uh, with a hug, you can always, you know, massage their hands with lotion or their feet or, you know, but touch is, is really important. And as people age, they usually get less touch. And that is something I think the body craves if we recognize it or not. Um, and again, most appreciate that. And again, everybody's different. So you, you know your person the best, but don't, um, don't forget about that either. 
and and I should have mentioned that. I should mention mom, absolutely. She'll reach over to just grab my hand sitting mm-hmm. at the kitchen table, you know, just out of the blue. And she just says, I want to be, you know, I just want to hold your hand. And, and I, I, I totally agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. We give comfort to people in so many ways um, throughout our day that we don't realize. And I think, you know, to me, one of the gifts in this disease was getting me to slow down to mm-hmm. just sit in silence in my mom's presence and being satisfied with that, realizing how connected we are, you know, where, you know, when you, when you really love somebody um, and feel comfortable with them, you, you don't have to say words. You don't have to do anything. You just get this solace of being in their presence. And a person with dementia can still give you that and you right. can give that to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. So don't ever let uh, don't ever let the disease take your relationship from you. I guess is his bottom line. Now people can reach Larry on Facebook. Um, just put in his name, uh, Larry L A R R Y dot, and then Griner G R I N E R. He also has a YouTube channel that you can uh, find uh, by putting in his name there as well. Thank you, Larry, for all you're doing and what a wonderful example you're sharing uh, with the world of, of how to care uh, for, for a loved one with dementia. You're doing an amazing job. So Thank you. keep up the great work and um, keep sharing those videos. Uh, we will do our best. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Thank you again. And to our Thank listeners, I hope that you like, click and share this, you know, check out Larry's Facebook page. Um, maybe you're going to want to send a headpiece you know, to his mom to wear, you know, or something else after watching those videos and be part of the joy. Bye now. Bye-bye.